The following podcast is presented by Together Washington. Together Washington, we are seeking to build bridges across divides and tell the inspiring stories of those building the common good. If you'd like to support or get involved with Together Washington, go to togetherwashington.com. I'm so glad that you're tuning in today. My goodness, we um, had uh, some last-minute uh, changes to the show because there's so much happening just in the last couple of days here in our world. All that's happening, of course, in Afghanistan, which I'm sure you have been reading or seen about. Um, just absolutely, the images coming out of Kabul are just un- unbelievable. I mean, I just, all of a sudden, I wasn't really paying any attention uh, to what was happening there. And then all of a sudden, boom, my goodness, you got um, Afghanis who are hanging off airplanes, uh, trying to hold on as as transport planes are leaving the airport and falling from them. Oh, I mean, it's just shocking to see images coming out of Afghanistan. So today we're actually going to be joined by a uh, former Navy SEAL. He was a Navy SEAL for... 11 years and 10 years as a SEAL officer. So 21 years as a SEAL, Jason Redman is going to be joining with us. He uh, has served in Afghanistan. Uh, he helped in the, you know, the last 20 years that we've been in Afghanistan. And he was injured in the line of duty uh, back in 2007. And um, so he's going to be joining us and helping us break down what's happening what is going on and from especially from his perspective as as someone who served in, in Afghanistan and as a as a long time uh you know lieutenant an officer a seal and so we're going to be joined by Jason Redmond so that's going to be i think really helpful to have him join us also later we're going to have someone, a local Seattle citizen who is from Afghanistan, is going to join us. And from a citizen, Afghani citizen point of view, what what they're seeing, what's happening. And so, man, we're going to have a really fascinating show for you today um, in light of all of that. Joining us on the show is Lieutenant Jason J. Redman. He is the founder and CEO of Combat Wounded Coalition, a wounded warrior, author, and motivational speaker, the author of The Trident, which details lessons learned in leadership and overcoming adversity throughout his Navy SEAL career, his service in Afghanistan and Iraq, along with his personal journey with his wife, Erica, and their three children. Lieutenant, welcome to the show. Tim, thanks for having me on. Hey, well, I am uh, I'm thrilled to have you. And as someone who has served our country in Afghanistan, and my goodness, a long storied career as a Navy SEAL, I'm just one. I'm I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your service. I'm thankful all that you've done for our country, and especially as someone who has injured in the line of duty to come back with courage and perseverance and be an example to um, us and our children. We, we appreciate you. Uh, thank you. No, it was a great career. Um, I, I, at times I miss it. There's no doubt. 
And uh, obviously, there are also times like right now where I'm deeply saddened. There was a lot of sacrifice that uh, went into Afghanistan. Um, you know, my hearts go out to all the families of teammates and friends and, and other Americans who lost loved ones on the battlefields of Afghanistan because I know it's hard for me to look at and say, well, why? What did we accomplish? Um, you know, it'd be one thing if we had spent 20 years there and we had replaced the existing government, a, a very violent totalitarian government, with a more progressive government, even if they weren't a fully functional progressive government. But instead, I mean, they spent 20 years and literally the exact same violent regime is back in power after 20 years. So I know that's got to be heartbreaking and, and just mind scratching for so many so many Americans who lost somebody over there. And then I feel for the Afghan people, um, you know, we spent all this time trying to provide them with hope and to convince them that we could provide them a better future um, to suddenly create a vacuum that was immediately filled by the Taliban. And, and I, I worry, I worry for the Afghan people as a, as a father with daughters, I worry for uh, the women of Afghanistan in the near future. It's uh, it's sad, and I don't fully agree with uh, the decisions that that were made, not just by President Biden. A lot of people want to throw this current administration under the bus, but you know, uh, President Trump, you know, made that that decision to withdraw, and you know, if it wasn't Afghanistan, it goes all the way back to Vietnam, and and our withdrawal from Vietnam, and then it became um, you know our our support of the Mujahideen, which later became the Taliban, and then we stopped supporting them. You know, and then it became our withdrawal from Iraq, and here we are in Afghanistan. You know, can we not learn from past lessons? Yeah, so in, in your view and your vantage point as you're watching this, I mean, what – obviously there's, as you rightly say, it goes back to, you know, previous administrations. And, of course, as President Biden said today, this, <laughs> this takeover, uh, this insurrection happened – a lot quicker than they anticipated. Why did that happen? Do you think? Well, I, I'm I'm personally kind of confused by that. Also, uh, not necessarily not necessarily because it happened. That doesn't surprise me in the least. Um, more so, why we didn't do some things that you know we know work. Um, I don't understand. If you go back to World War II, I mean, the last time we really did effective. An effective long-term strategy to help nations that we were trying to rebuild, if you will, and make no mistake, you know, whether you want to agree or disagree, we got into nation building with Iraq and Afghanistan. We tried to help them become better places. Well, in order to do that, in order to build, build up a military, um, there is a level of support that has to go into that. And everybody can say, well, the Afghan military and the Iraq military weren't able to fight back or they didn't fight back. Well, you know, we hands down, are the strongest military in the entire world right now, unequivocally, uh, both through the assets we have, the training we have, the resources we have, the technology we have, the air assets we have. And these are all the things that we brought to the battlefield um, to provide support for both you know, the Afghanis and the Iraqis, if you want to look at that. So when we pull out, they lose all that. And, and why? I mean, if you go back to World War II, um, you know, when we were leaving Japan and Germany, we maintained a presence there. We said, okay, hey, you know, if we're not going to allow you to have a military or we're going to help you build yours up, we're going to provide a level of overwatch, but we're going to maintain a presence here on this part of the world. You know, why, why didn't we do the same? Why didn't we maintain? If you look at Desert Storm, 
when President Bush Sr. made the decision that, hey, we're not going to push all the way to, to Baghdad. We're going to basically uh, liberate the Kuwaitis, but we're going to fly, you know, these Overwatch missions and maintain the airspace to protect. You know, why didn't we decide to do the same? Uh you know, with only a very small footprint of Americans and American air power to try and give them a chance. So that's what I don't understand. I mean, what's your best guess why they didn't follow that approach? I think our political leaders are giving in to the American people who have bought into this false narrative that we can fight wars with zero casualties and zero impact. And this other false narrative that's occurring that if we go to other countries, we're oppressors and we're um, trying to and we're occupiers and all these things. I mean, you know, nobody has sacrificed more and provided and attempted to help others with freedom than than America in the shortest period of time. And um, to say that, you know, we're there for this or that. Are there ulterior, ulterior motives? Of course, any human being, any human, you know, makes a decision and there's some level of ulterior motives, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, our ability to, especially if we fought for ground in these places, if we fought for ground in Vietnam, if we fought for ground in Iraq and Afghanistan, it, it is a smart strategic decision to hold a piece of ground. And why didn't we say that? Why didn't we say, okay, Iraq, if we're anything, here's the deal. You know, we're going to totally pull our guys out, but we're going to maintain one base. Um, and, and we're going to do that to maintain a presence. And in return for that, we're going to provide overwatch and support to your troops on the ground. Now, you know, it's your job to run your security, but if you get into trouble, we can launch aircraft to be able to support you, which is what we had done, you know, in other various places. Um, I mean, Germany, or I'm sorry, Japan. We have 80,000 troops still in Japan to this day. Uh, Germany, we have 40,000 troops. Korea, we have 30,000 troops. So why suddenly today, you know, and American people have this mindset that, you know, hey, if we go in someplace, the only answer is a total pullout. Because I think that there's a lot of Americans that feel that way. Mm. Talking to Lieutenant Jay Redmond, longtime Navy right. SEAL, served in Afghanistan and Iraq, he is the founder and CEO of Combat Wounded Coalition. Lieutenant, you know, th there's a lot of uh, criticism both for the Trump and Biden administrations. I watched an interview yesterday with uh, former Secretary of State Pompeo, who was trying to basically say, hey, I, I wasn't trying to give the Taliban credibility because they were meeting with them, right? I mean, they, they came up with this kind of strategy but his response was basically, hey, the Taliban knew that if, if they went against what we were telling them, we were going to come out and just crush them. So we, we knew we, we were taking this kind of this kind of carrot stick approach. And when and so his response was, you know, you know, the Biden administration just removed the stick. And Correct. and I don't know, do you, is that do you think that's a fair assessment of what you're seeing? I do. Um, you know, I don't know what was said behind closed doors because, you know, anything that's said externally probably is only about half the truth, uh, especially in this political climate. Um, I find it telling, you know, if you go back to 2018, when the first talks of withdrawing from Afghanistan and Syria were brought up, uh, General Mattis, who in my opinion is probably one of the best military leaders we've had since World War II, um, 
you know, we disagreed with uh, President Trump and said, you know, we are going down a road where we're not supporting our allies long term, which, of course, led to, um, you know, Secretary of Defense Mattis resigning. So I, I don't know what the original plan was. Uh, I do know, having worked with um, individuals overseas, that they will tell you whatever you want to hear, and then they'll do <laughs> what they want to do, usually in some sort of violent way. Um, you know, we saw that a lot. So um, if uh, Secretary Pompeo says they had a stick, I, you absolutely needed to have a stick, uh, which, in my opinion, would have been some sort of military presence that, you know, a small footprint of military presence. Uh, I had heard the idea was going to be, you know, special operations personnel who have the ability to coordinate airstrikes and, of course, airstrikes. And, and a lot of people don't realize that is the you know, that is a tremendous, tremendous advantage, tactical advantage on the battlefield. I mean, ground troops can only do so much, but it is the air assets and technology that you know that exponentially increase our capabilities. I would not still be alive today if it wasn't for the air assets that were overhead that night that we were pinned down in that ambush. So um, you know, long, long to come full circle. Um, there has to be a stick, and I would agree. When uh, when they made the decision to pull out, I don't think there was any. It was just a decision. We're pulling out, and hey, Afghanistan, you know, we're we're dusting off our hands. And guess what, you guys, you're on your own, Lieutenant. This is I'm I'm looking at pictures right now of the Taliban on you know American. You know, they're driving now, driving American Humvees, um, you know, around Kabul, and they've. So not only do they have the political power, but now they've got our U.S. supplied guns, ammunition, helicopters. I mean, I mean, I just my mind is is stymied to think of the <laughs> how we could basically put, you know, billions of dollars into this and basically hand all of this off to the Taliban. Well, I mean, I don't think, obviously, I don't think that was the plan, was it for it to fall into the hands of the Taliban? I'm sure, you know, unfortunately, it's, uh, and I don't understand why, you know, it's cheaper to leave equipment overseas than to try and bring it back after a costly war. So it doesn't really make sense. You know, it's a series of bad decisions on top of bad decisions that culminated with where we are. Um, But I, I, I... you know, I think the bigger issue, and this is something that I talked about earlier, you know, Afghanistan, I think, is just a symptom of the sickness of America. Um, we, we are imploding from the inside, and Afghanistan is just an external symptom of that, you know. Um, and it's decisions that we continue to make. You know, we make the same decisions externally abroad. With foreign policy, we're making the same decisions. And then internally, we've made this turn where, um, you know, it's more important to focus on um, everything from critical race theory to um, <clears throat> um, <laughs> uh, you know dividing, you know, teaching young children to divide people into the oppressor and the oppressed, and allowing big tech to censor things that you know people don't agree with. Which you know that's just a total of men, uh, violation of First Amendment rights. So it's it's kind of mind-boggling to watch what's happening, and that there are so many people that are okay with it. Um, so, unfortunately, I think <laughs> the fall of Afghanistan is just a symptom of, you know, a lot of the problems in America right now. And I hope that the American people will wake up and say, hey, you know, we really need a better way forward.
And are you saying that because you think we're focusing on the wrong things here in the U.S.? I mean, is that when you say we're we're imploding here? I mean, what, give give me some uh, share a little more about that. Unequivocally, I mean, Tim, you know, it's uh, it's kind of a weird day when uh, I am not a huge fan of Bill Maher. Uh, I think Bill Maher and, and my political ideology aren't normally aligned. Uh, but I will tell you what, that recently uh, somebody sent me some of his posts, and Bill Maher recently said, you know, currently in America, our political leadership is more concerned with helping to turn little boys into little girls than they are with building our nation into a stronger, more robust, more educated um, nation. And in uh, our, and, you know, our adversaries abroad, if you look at China, they are totally focused on building a stronger, more educated, you know, stronger economy, stronger people. Uh, and, and we are, you know, we're just trying to create this woke nation that is, uh, <laughs> that is insulted by everything. Um, and, and that, you know, America wasn't built on that. You know, we're tearing down the very foundations of what made this country into what it is. And what's interesting about that is it's kind of, and, and don't get me wrong, I am not this individual who's going to say we had this perfect background. That doesn't exist. Uh, but instead, it was amazing. I mean, what our founding fathers thought of uh, and what they implemented with our Constitution was groundbreaking. There was nothing in the history of the world like that. Um, and, and, you know, were there, were there flaws? You know, we had slavery back in the early days. Yes, absolutely. But there were great, smart, incredible men who said, okay, we're not going to stand for this. You know, if we say uh, all men are created equal, then all men have to be created equal. And then later we said, well, women apply in this also. So we have made such great advances. And then suddenly in the last several years, we're going backwards. Um, so, yes, I absolutely believe we are focused on the wrong things. And, um, and, and you know, pulling out of Afghanistan and pulling out of these other places is only a, a symptom of a lot of the problems. We're destroying our credibility abroad as a, as a superpower, and we are definitely destroying our credibility here at home. I mean, I think others around the world are just watching what's happening in America, and they're just scratching their head. Why do you think— I'm scratching my head. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I, Lieutenant, I'm, <laughs> there are a lot of things that I'm, I'm perplexed by, um, that we focus on and that we are doing without a question. Um, with, so I'm, I, I definitely am with you that as I'm watching images of Afghans fall from the airplanes, the transport planes, the chaos at the airport, <laughs> You you were there, right? I mean, you 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 fought against um, these forces. The you know you fought against the Taliban. Well, the, for the Afghans to to want to flee and hold on to airplanes like that as they're taking off, what, what is happening? Mean, what do you think is going through their mind? I mean, obviously they're um, they, they don't want to be around. The Taliban have been notoriously violent and brutal uh, for a long time. Uh, the level of brutality they brought to the Soviet soldiers that they came up against and the level of brutality they brought up against even our soldiers. I mean, there are um, accounts of them dismembering and doing things to soldiers they came across. I mean, that was not uncommon on a regular basis to do it to Afghan people, to dismember and maim and scar and kill 
uh, Afghanis, women, old men, it didn't matter to them. If it didn't align with their um, extreme uh, Islamic ideology, uh, you know, the Sharia law that they wanted to impose, then, you know, they had no qualms of ruling with an iron fist. And, uh, and you know, they're trying to say, hey, we're, we're going to be a more modern Taliban. Well, you know, you can see how much the people believe that, you know, for people hanging on to the bottom of an airplane and plunging to their death, uh, as opposed to staying in Afghanistan to face what potentially is coming. Mm. We're talking to Lieutenant Redmond. He fought in Afghanistan, longtime Navy SEAL and inspirational speaker doing incredible things, wrote the book, The Trident. Lieutenant, let me ask you, what do you see happening regarding um, just the, the terror threat moving forward? As as the Taliban move into Afghanistan now, into the capital, what do you think is going to happen for uh, the, the terrorism threat in the Middle East now? Well, Tim, I will say this. I mean, first off, uh, thank you for, you know, giving me a lot of credit for all the time um, I spent as a SEAL. I mean, I did, I'll be the first to say I did one deployment in Afghanistan and one deployment in Iraq before I got wounded. I was uh, prior enlisted and served in South America before, you know, 9-11, and then I, obviously 9-11 happened. So I have a lot of friends that did a ton more than I did, so I want to give them a shout-out, and thanks for giving me uh, some recognition, although I didn't spend as much time as others. My thoughts on terrorism that, and where are we going to go? I think my big fear is we are continuing to make the same mistakes as a nation over and over and over again. And, you know, I don't think if people go back and study their history and what a lot of people don't realize is that the Taliban were actually an ally of us before they became the Taliban. They were known as the Mujahideen and the Mujahideen operated in Afghanistan. They were fighters who were fighting against the Soviets in the 80s. And we funded them. We provided them weapons. We provided them training. We provided them money to fight against the Soviets. And then at some point we decided, well, you know, this isn't working out the way we wanted to. So we just cut that funding and cut our support for them, which obviously left a lot of them to be very bitter towards the United States, which led a lot of them later as they became part of the Taliban to hate the United States. Um, you know, the Taliban is a Sunni-based organization. Al-Qaeda is a Sunni-based organization. They have very similar I- ideologies, you know, very strict interpretations of, um, you know, extreme interpretations of, of the Islamic faith uh, and the implementation of Sharia law, So, which is why the Taliban and Al-Qaeda got along and, you know, why Al-Qaeda moved in. My, my big fear with all of that is, okay, so we're, we're continuing to make the same mistakes. So now you have a generation of young Afghanis, or even, even not young Afghanis, but young and, and middle-aged Afghanis who now believe for a period of time, the last 10 years or longer, that there was going to be a good outcome in Afghanistan. And now suddenly we just pulled out and we just said, hey, sorry, you guys are on your own. And, and the, the government of Afghanistan just tucked tail and ran. The, the, the military folded. So that's just left for the people. And, and those who supported, it, it will remain to be seen, but I would be, highly, I would be highly surprised if the Taliban did not root out anybody who supported the Americans, who supported uh, coalition 
uh, and, and kill or subjugate or enslave, you know, whether, you know, it's women sexually in some way or whether it's men for work or whether just killing them in another way. Uh, that is going to generate another generation of individuals who will grow to hate us. And the Taliban is very good at information warfare and they will spin it. And there are, so what does that lead for us? Does that lead 10, 15 years from now, a future generation of terrorists, a future generation of people that hate us, no different than the Mujahideen evolved into the Taliban that we ended up fighting and now have just stepped right back into power after 20 years. Wow. I'm just, it's <laughs> just unbelievable. Going to be, just the days, weeks, months to come are going to be very interesting. We're talking to Lieutenant Redmond, longtime Navy SEAL, served in Afghanistan and Iraq. Lieutenant, I just saw a um, a video that the State Department just put out that it calls on the Taliban to form an inclusive government. Do you think they'll listen to the State Department to make sure that they have an inclusive government? <laughs> I doubt it. Um, what what reason do they have to listen to the American government? I mean, um, you know, we, we don't it goes back to what we talked about earlier. I mean, if we don't have any, you know, carrot and a stick. So if we not have no method to implement a stick without, you know, fully committing troops into Afghanistan again, I mean, what level of inclusion are they going to bring? Uh, we know that Afghanistan, you know, with the the the, the 20 years that we had been there uh, had brought back a more progressive view. You, um, I know in one of the areas you have a woman mayor, uh, and women were going to school, which was totally against what the Taliban believed in. So do you honestly think that the Taliban, with their hardline ideology, is going to allow women in government and women in leadership positions? Once again, I go back to why did we not, you know, I mean, and this is my humble opinion. You know, I was a mid-grade level leader within the military, uh, not a high-level strategic leader. So I wasn't involved in those high-level strategic decision-making for me. But I am a student of history. You know, you look at, once again, we go back to Germany, Japan, and Korea. You know, we left presents, we left bases there that were the stick to the carrot to incentivize, you know, the Germans, the Japanese, and the uh, Koreans to build a better future. Um, You know, why couldn't we set that up there? Also recognizing we did that in those places as a bulwark, uh, you know, definitely in Germany against uh, Russia. You know, and obviously we know that Pakistan can be a, a threat at times. So I don't know the answer to that question. Um, it just kind of breaks my heart that, uh, you know, these Afghanis that we supported for all these years that we made the decision to pull out and not leave the uh, support that they had had for so many years from our military forces, you know, and it's easy to say, hey, you know, it's on them. They didn't uh, <laughs> they didn't step up in this situation. But, you know, for 20 years, they had worked with us and we had provided them air support and, you know, the technology and the high level of communications that American forces bring to the battlefield. And now suddenly we're like, OK, guys, you're on your own. So it's not a it's not a switch. It doesn't happen like that. What did you make of President Biden's comments when he said this is on the Afghans? This is this is their problem. I think that was a uh, I think that was kind of a sad statement to throw them under the bus like that. 
you know, for 20 years we've gone to help them. And I think that there, I know, not even I think, I know that there were a lot of senior military leaders who said they weren't ready. And I can't speak, I can't speak for Afghanistan directly because obviously the last time I was in Afghanistan was in 2005. But I can tell you this, when I was in Iraq in 2007, you know, when President uh, Obama started sounding off that, hey, we're going to withdraw from Iraq in 2009, um, you know, we, I had trained directly with those guys, and we had trained some of the senior commandos uh, and, and senior police forces in Iraq, and we knew. I mean, I remember talking to friends, and we were like, they're not ready. They're not ready to lead by themselves. And uh, 2010, when they did the withdrawal, sure enough, I mean, they folded as, you know, ISIS blasted through Iraq. Um, and I think you're seeing the same thing in Afghanistan because I know that there were a lot of senior leaders who said these guys aren't ready. And you can say, you know, and I, I, I hear some people say, well, you know, we got to pull out at some point. I agree. We can't be there forever. I mean, we can't just keep sending American lives. I mean, the last thing I want to see is Americans die. I mean, I'm, I'm a father with a son who is fighting a fighting age male. Um, I don't want to see my son go fight unless we've got a solid reason to do so. But part of my opinion as a solid reason to do so, at least in a limited scope, is we, um, we committed to help this country get better. Um, so where is the balance? And, you know, once again, I think it's through air power, and I think it through, was through a very limited footprint. And I think that that should have extended for a period of time, years uh, most likely, instead of just making this decision that, okay, hey, at this point we're pulling out. Lieutenant, it's been really great to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. Yeah, Tim, thanks for having me on uh, once again. It is a disheartening day, but I just hope that all Americans, I hope you, you know, wake up. If you've been sitting idly by, and uh, I'll admit I've been a little guilty myself, so I am getting a louder voice. I'm beating the drum on, on our freedoms and, and the craziness that's occurring within our country. You know, um, wake up, wake up. And I'm excited to have on our next next guest. It's Haroon. Haroon is from Afghanistan. He came to Seattle last year, and he still has family in Afghanistan. And uh, we're just thrilled to have him with us and hear his thoughts on what's happening uh, today in Afghanistan. Uh, hello, everyone. Thank, thanks for having me here. Uh, well, I, I was born and raised in Afghanistan. Uh, luckily. I and my family got United Special Immigrant Visa last year. And we left Afghanistan last year in July. I personally, I would never forget what terrorist groups did in Afghanistan. As, as everybody knows, the situation is really worse nowadays. The Taliban took control over all Afghanistan. And I saw uh, terrorist groups' activity during my childhood in Afghanistan. We all know terrorists are the most aggressive people in the world. Let, let me talk about the short story of what I saw with my eyes in Afghanistan. My father is the vice president of a transportation company with United worked with the United States Army in Afghanistan from 2015 until June this year. The main office of my father my father's company was located in Sharinau, Kabul, Afghanistan, right behind the care organizations main office, which is a non-governmental, non-political, non-profit organization 
extending its relief and development assistance to those in need. But in 2016, terrorist attacks care organization's main office. Many people were killed at that night. Care organization in, is in Afghanistan to help people. The only question almost every Afghan is concerned, how we Afghans can follow the rules of those who attack children, women, governmental and non-governmental agencies. Yesterday we watched what happened in Kabul International Airport. The most Afghans prefers to die rather than leaving under terrorist roof flag. Wow. Haroon, thank you so much for sharing that. It was it was so, so uh, disheartening and tragic to watch the videos of young people holding on to airplanes in the airport um, yesterday. And I'm sure you saw some of that. And, and you still have family in Afghanistan, correct? Uh, yeah, my, my brother uh, is in Afghanistan. Have you talked to him? Yeah, I talked with him. Uh, uh, he, he left. Uh, he, he he's working uh, on behalf of my father in the office. He left there, and he's right now. He's hiding in, in home, and uh, he cannot go outside because he's scared. He's afraid of this, this Taliban group. Wow. Are you? Do you get? Do you text with him or use? I mean, how do you? How do you communicate with him? I called. Uh, I called him. Uh, yeah, the good thing is that um, uh, we, we, everyone can uh, contact. The the lines are nor- normal, operating normal. The uh, we, we can make a call. We can. Uh, everybody is able to contact with the uh, in Afghanistan. Mm. What do you make of what's going on? What's your per- What's your your thought about what? Um, is happening these last, you know, few days. But, of course, um, it was mentioned a while ago that, you know, the, the United States would, you know, pull pull out of Afghanistan. What Have you been f- following it over the past year or two, knowing that the, the pullout is coming? And how are people feeling about it? How is your family feeling about it, knowing that this was coming? Well, uh, everybody is scared of this, uh, this terrorist group. And uh, honestly, right now, uh, people in Kabul, uh, especially women, uh, and, and they're, they're really concerned about their future. Like, uh, uh, people uh, went uh, overseas from Afghanistan to... Uh, uh, to study and come back work for the for Afghanistan, but uh, everything is gone now. Everything is gone. They have no hope for future right now. Wow. Will your brother stay there, or will he try to leave? Uh, well, he, he uh, uh, the SIV uh, special immigrant. Uh, uh, a special immigrant visa process is uh, s- slow for most applicants. Uh, as you know, a, a special immigrant visa is for the interpreters, and the interpreters were in mission uh, in Afghanistan with U.S. Army and uh, and Taliban were killed in, in, in those missions. Most likely, Taliban will take revenge from those who uh, from those allies who left behind. 
and um, I'm sure me- media will not have the freedoms to publish such reports. Uh, the process is really slow for some applicants, especially um, as far as I know. Uh, my brother, he, he was interviewed for the uh, SIV special immigrant visa in 2019, but he's still waiting to get a visa or instruction for evacuation from Afghanistan. Hmm. Who who are the Taliban? Are they are they from multiple countries? Who who are they? Well, uh, they're from m- multiple countries, uh, from the neighbor countries. Uh, as far uh, um, as I know, I, I talk with my friends. Uh, some of them are from Pakistan. So the uh, uh, most Pakistan people speaks uh, uh, Pashto, and uh, in most parts of uh, uh, Afghanistan, uh, people speak uh, Pashto. So it's hard to um, uh, to know who is from Afghanistan and who is from Pakistan. But as I talked with my friend, uh, they told me some of them are uh, from uh, uh, from Pakistan and uh, maybe other countries. But uh, my friend saw people from Pakistan only uh, from Pakistan and Kabul. But probably there might be more people uh, uh, people from other countries and. Uh, Afghanistan, other provinces. Wow, we're talking to Arun. Arun is from born and raised in Afghanistan. Came to Seattle about a year ago. And how are you? And I guess real quick, how are you liking Seattle? Well, uh, people are really friendly here. Uh, when I came for the first for the first time, uh, honestly, to the. Uh, Coming to United States was my dream, and that was it. It, it, it was a, um, uh, my uh, our biggest opportunity in the, in the life. That we, we left Afghanistan uh, because the the situation was bad at that time. Uh, at that time, uh, Kabul was uh, under the control of Afghan Afghanistan government, but some districts were under the control of Taliban. Especially my father, he was uh, working with uh, United States Army directly, and um, uh, he used to uh, do tracking for uh, for United States government, uh, United States Army in Afghanistan, uh, carrying their uh, equipment from uh, one uh, military base to other military base. Uh, actually, I spent my childhood. Uh, and inside the home, I was only going to a home, uh, uh, to school and coming back to home. Sometimes uh, going to, uh, sometimes I was going to my 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 dad's um, office. That was all. And yeah, it's really hard. Mm. Where's your dad now? Uh, well, uh, he, he's uh, in the United States, and the last time he went to Afghanistan was. Uh, two months ago, and I'm so glad that he's he is uh, in the United States again. I'm so glad. Mm, yeah, so glad. And I'm sure Haroon. I mean, what was it? What was it like? Have you been watching a lot of the the news and the footage of of what's happening in Kabul and at the airport? Have you been watching that? Yeah, yeah. I, I watched that yesterday, and uh, even some of my friends. Everyone was thinking that. Uh, 
and that NATO uh, uh, and that the countries like German, uh, UK, United States, and these countries who were uh, in Afghanistan, they're uh, taking people from Afghanistan and they're evacuating people from Afghanistan uh, without any passport, without any visa. Uh, people were thinking something like this, but that was not... Uh, they only evacuated their uh, uh, embassy staff and... I think it's still pe- people are in, in the airport and uh, uh, seven people dead yesterday in this evacuation. Mm. Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear about um, what your fellow countrymen are going through. Very difficult time. We are with Arun, who is a um, Seattle light now who was born and raised in Afghanistan came to uh, Seattle last year and Haroon thank you so much for joining us on live from Seattle we really appreciate it thank you sir by the way is there is there a good place to get any um, Afghan food here in the Seattle area uh, yeah I, I think there's a, a, a it's not Afghani, but uh, as everybody know, that uh, Afghan and, and especially Middle East food is the uh, uh, same. Uh, Middle East, Afghanistan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan. So there's a, a kebab place with Indian food. Um, uh, yeah, there there is no honestly there is no uh, restaurant to get Afghani foods, but. Uh, you, you can uh, get a Middle East food in Redmond. Yeah, what's what's what makes a what what's a traditional Afghan dish? Uh, well, uh, most people in Afghanistan they uh, they palau mantu. These are the most fam- uh, familiar uh, dishes in Afghanistan. Mm, okay, that's great, Haroon. What what do you hope for um, going forward? I mean, what's your what's your hope for Afghanistan in the uh, months and in, in years to come? Well, I, I hope uh, uh, I hope the foreign countries help Afghanistan in this situation, especially uh, NATO. Because Afghanistan is right now in the situation of 2001, from the point which uh, uh, we started, everyone, uh, U.S. Army, uh, uh, Afghan politicians, they started in 2001, and they uh, and they take the control of Afghanistan from Taliban in 2000, uh, 2001, and uh, pupil 66,000 Afghan army. Uh, as killed in this uh, war from 2001 until 2021. Um, now the Taliban, they, uh, as as everyone can can find the pictures in social media, now the Tal- Taliban's are well equipped. Well equipped. They took all the uh, firearms, every every equipment the Afghan military had. Right now, it's on in the Taliban's hand, and I think it's a threat for 
for the world because uh, what happened in 11 September in the United States and probably it might happen in other country and it's a threat for the for the world and uh, uh, Afghan people are not happy with with, with these groups. Mm. Yeah, I I've got to believe that the the remarks from President Biden were 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 hurtful when he talked about that it was, um, you know, the the basically the fault of the Afghan kind of army um, for not fighting. What what do you make of that? Well, uh, I'm from Lagman Province. Uh, as far as I know, uh, there was a, a, a military, uh, a small uh, base in, in Lagman Province, and it was under attack for last five years. Um, uh, honestly, all the, the Taliban of Lagman Province was tried, tried, and tried to 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 take that military uh, Afghan military base and. Uh, Every time when they were attacking, the, the Afghan army was mm, uh, killing them, and more more Taliban were killed while they were attacking on the, that military base. And what happened uh, three days ago in Lagman province, they just left their, their firearms, uh, armed vehicles, and they left. Uh, for, I don't know what's going on, but uh, they left Lagman province... Uh, 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 without without uh, trying to fight with Taliban, and they took control. And right now, in in, in some big districts of Kabul, there is only uh, less than twenty ta- Taliban in all uh, uh, in a, a district in Afghanistan, and in some districts. Uh, yeah, uh, I think something else is going on. Uh, it's not about. Uh, uh, lack of uh, uh, Afghan troops uh, uh, ability because yeah. we saw uh, it, it's been a long time U.S. Army is, uh, in, is in a ceasefire with Taliban. Yeah, we're talking to Arun. He is from Afghanistan, came to Seattle last year. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad that you're here in Seattle, Arun. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. That was Arun, who uh, is from Afghanistan, was sharing his thoughts on what's happening here the last few days as we're watching uh, the Taliban um, in Afghanistan. His brother is still there. And uh, so thankful for him for coming on the show today. 